So this had to be about, I don't know, four or five years ago. Not sure. But I was watching Cruise YouTube like all of us Cruise fans have been known to do. The podcast was, was already up and running. I had the Facebook group and I think I reposted it. I think I copied the link and posted it into my group. But it was this guy standing up on a, you know, he was outside, whatever, in a field or yard or wherever he was. And he went on some soapbox tangent about, uh, you know, these are the types of cruises that he doesn't understand though he doesn't like. I can't stand the cruisers that, because you know when people say they don't like this type of cruiser, you know what? Why would you ever want to do this at sea? You know what? It's a, it's a baseball game. Why would you ever want to? You're on vacation. You could watch a baseball game at home. And I always thought that was like ridiculous and, you know, it just, it is. It's just a ridiculous statement because whatever you do at home that you love and now you have the opportunity to do it at sea, that's God bless you. That's great. I watch a football game in the tropics around. Yeah. Sign me up. And uh, he went into like this diatribe and it was totally satirical where he was just and at first I didn't get it. I thought he was being that guy. I thought he was being the actual playing the actual role of a curmudgeon who just, you know, shamed people for doing things that you were perfectly able to do on land and doing them at sea. But then he started talking about pools and he was I think he said something like and swimming in pools. These people who go on cruises and they swim in these pools. You, do you realize you can swim? And then I realized, oh, this is my guy. Oh, this is a guy. I like this guy. This is uh, cracked me up. So I just saw it. I didn't even know who he was. I just watched it and thought it was really, really funny. And then, uh, you know, later on, he came out with this. Uh, there was there was this podcast. It was called uh, Cruise, Ge- Cruise Geeks. Cruise Geeks. I'm pretty sure. Cruise. Yes. Cruise Geeks. How do I forget that already? I don't think I did. I think I got it right. And uh, I started listening to that podcast, him and uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Allen. And I became a fan of that podcast. I really wouldn't miss an episode of that podcast. I liked it. It's now defunct, I believe. But uh, then, it, then there was the connection that I saw that, oh, that's the guy who made the video. And then I looked even further back and I saw he had this YouTube channel where he did cruise wars with his wife, Jenny, uh, shout out to Jenny. And I realized that this was somebody who kind of approached the whole cruise content thing in a way that I kind of did, you know what I mean? In a way that was like a little bit on the satire side, bordering on the ridiculous. I mean, I, you know, I'll speak for myself on the ridiculous end of it, but it was just something I, I enjoyed. And then, you know, through the years he kept kind of going and then i think during the pandemic he started doing daily youtube stuff and it's uh it, it it took off it took off like crazy seems to have taken off on a life of its own and it seems like as far as youtube goes i think he might be the guy on youtube it, it's a pretty hot show is all i'm gonna say the name of the show is lalita loco lalita sorry it, why does this tongue twist me every time I'm the moron. I know it. Lalito Loca. That's the name of the YouTube channel. That's the name of the YouTube show. And uh, he does daily cruise newses. He does commentary. He does updates. He'll also do live videos. Every once in a while, you'll see a, bl- a vlog, but not not as much vlogging anymore like they used to. But, uh, you know, just tons and tons and tons of cruise content. And if you like cruise content, that's where you want to go. You know what I mean? YouTube, La Lido Loca. And I recently had the opportunity. It had been a while. I'd been on his show. He'd been on my show in the past, but it had been a while. So we thought it was appropriate that we do catch up and uh, we cover some of some of the stuff in cruising as of late that might be considered hot topics. But either way, like I said, Thursday conversation. I just want this to flow. I wanted it to be organic. Some of it might be current. Some of it might be not current, whatever. But Caught up with Tony, had a great chat, and here it is for you. Let's start the show. Oh, we back for another one, right? <laughs> Bags are packed. Hey, Tommy, you ready? Let's go. We going in. Hey. Yeah. 
is the night before the cruise And if I'm honest, I ain't sleeping But even if I could, I'd be dreaming about this weekend All the fun we about to have as we taking this vacation Always be booked on our way to embarkation Cause we know it's in store Pockets and palm trees, tropical sea breeze And frozen daiquiris, oh please Thank you sir, yes I think I'll have another Please don't blow my cover cause I'm passing on the muster Bring a lover, bring a friend, bring someone you just met It ain't snowing where we going and the good times never end Here's the five more years, drinking beers, running peers Thanks for giving us your ears through the laughter and the tears But we just getting started out here, give us a holler If you're looking, you can find us somewhere south of the Bahamas Getting hotter as we go, cones and we united So sound that horn cause everybody's invited Tony, what's going on my man, how you doing? Uh, doing great. It's uh, been on the road a lot and enjoying that cruise life since it's been back. And yeah, it's uh, trying to grab as much of it as I can, uh, making up for lost time. As we, as I've noticed, as we've all noticed, it's kind of crazy. You know what I can't believe? One of the most surprising things to me is that we still have never met. I know. It's uh, like, like ships passing in the night. Uh, but now that you're back in Florida, man, you're not going to be able to avoid it for too long. <laughs> I remember that I'll, one time. I'll, remember that one time you were on the on the highway i think you were driving to fort lauderdale it was there was almost a meeting yeah 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 i was trying i was trying to coax you out but the timing did not uh, did not work out but yeah it's uh yeah that was back in the day man i felt like that was 2018 2019 something like that yeah no um all right so as we mentioned before we're on the phone with tony from lalita loca him and uh, his lovely wife jenny do youtube they do lives they do i don't you know you don't do them as much of the vlogs anymore right yeah, we we stopped vlogging a little bit. It's uh, it was really weird. That was the thing that kind of drew us into the idea of making content. We went on our first cruise and we were, saw other people vlog, and we got a bunch of kids, and it's like, oh, we should leave these kids some record of what we did. And so we made a few vlogs, and then uh, as time went on, we realized that vlogging's kind of hard. It takes away from the cruise experience, and the more we fell in love with cruising, the the less we fell in love with uh, making the daily vlog. And we really felt like our strengths came from giving other things to the community through, uh, you know, tips and news and that kind of stuff. And so we backed off from the blog. So we still capture a lot of B-roll and we'll have some interaction that we put in the videos, but uh, not a straight blog anymore, per se. That is such a, a, a hot button topic for me. Managing the amount of, uh, we all love cruising, and this has to be a little bit trickier for you because I, I've so uh, I, I think it was the wonder of the seas. You did that cruise and you just walked the Lido deck. It, it has to be kind of weird. So it's two things I'm kind of, I guess, going over right now. First and foremost, how do you manage, I guess, just thinking of, because I know you're like me and you're like, when you're on a cruise, you're like, oh, that's going to be good for the audience. That'll be good for the audience. That'll be, And then you become the guy who's pulling out the camera, pulling out the phone every two seconds. And is that the best way to enjoy what you love doing so much. So how do you kind of navigate that? How do you find the balance between content versus enjoying yourself? Well, I mean, it really was an evolution to get there. Um, you know, we, we wanted to try as many cruise experiences as possible, but then it came to the point where, you know, if we wanted to stay up all night and sleep in late and not really start our day until the afternoon, until we, you know, we're going to have a nice meal and go to a nice show and then hit the casino you know, the the idea of I need to have a good full day vlog, we get in the way with that. Well, if I don't get up and film the breakfast buffet or if I don't go to a trivia or if I don't do this or I don't do that, I'm letting down the idea of the vlog. And uh, we, we had to think about it really hard because we want to be as true and authentic as possible. That's, you know, we feel like that in this space, uh, in this content creation world, especially on YouTube, uh, it's easy to spot the fakers, in my opinion. And uh, we didn't want to be a faker, right? And so it was a hard decision because would people like it if it wasn't the blog? Uh, but at the same time, would we like cruising if we were constantly force ourselves, forcing ourselves to do stuff we weren't interested in? And so uh, it, it really got down to, look, you know, we want to go on these cruises and we want to enjoy ourselves. And we felt like we could bring value to the community by, you know, experiencing the cruise to its fullest. Uh, the, but that value just turned out not to manifest in a daily blog. It just manifested other ways. So I think trying to be true to ourselves is what really killed the idea of always pulling the camera out. But let me ask you this. How, how have you navigated? And, you know, I know you're around the same age as me, living most of your life, just going about you. And then one day you're 
your crew's famous. Does that make sense when you're on a cruise ship and you have a, a line of people greeting you and people recognizing you and you actually, have you ever in your previous life ever thought you'd have to kind of respectfully decline and ask for privacy, things like that? Is, is that, is, is that, does that blow your mind? Yeah, it, it does blow my mind. It's a new phenomenon. So, you know, we had the two-year shutdown. And uh, what, what I was doing kind of morphed during that time. If you go back to the early days of the channel, I, I would try all kinds of different content. I did vlogs and tips, made some original content like Cruise Wars, and I would cover the news story here and there. But I wasn't really a hardcore news guy. And then when we got to the shutdown, there was so much news out there and so much information that uh, I really hit my stride applying skills that I've had all my life, processing complex information and making it palatable to people. And people connected with it. And so for the two years of the shutdown, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm processing the news and the channel is just exploding. The audience is just exploding. And so when we finally start cruising again, because I'd been sitting here in my house in Florida, I did not realize the level of cruise famous, as you say, uh, that I had become. And that first cruise on the adventure of the seas, it was crazy. I mean, there were times where I would just be sitting down, talking to friends, talking to people that I already knew. And a line of people would form behind me. So, like I was in Sorrento's and there were, it was four deep and to, it was weird. And it, it did take a lot. By the end of that cruise, I realized I would have to start developing some skills uh, to deal with it. And, uh, you know, what I realized is that not everybody that you interact with is going to come away with a positive interaction. I, I try to do the best that I can. But just imagine it probably on the last cruise on the Harmony of the Seas, I probably met 200 people. And, you know, everybody, you know, it seems like everybody's looking for that 10 to 15 minute interaction. Well, if you multiply out 200 people by 15 minutes, I mean, that's like six or seven hours of your life trying to make people, you know, feel good. And so it's, it's a weird dichotomy because uh, if people didn't love the show, if people didn't like what I was doing, then, you know, that wouldn't be a thing. So it's I have much respect for the fact that people uh, want to interact with me. But it's really hard as somebody who's a little bit introverted, not used to that level of minor celebrity. It was really hard to, to try to figure it out. And so, you know, I've been doing the best I can, even just like with our live shows and stuff like that, just to try to set expectations and saying, man, I'm happy to meet folks. I'm happy to take pictures. It's great for my ego, but I'm not going to be good for you for 15 minutes. I'm probably not going to be good for you for five minutes. And so I really love that interaction, but I, I just want to level set it with folks that, um, you know, it's, I'm, uh, you know, you might be disappointed when you meet me. And that's a weird thing to go out there and say, but I figure I'd rather be honest about it so that people understand it. And instead of having, you know, I got a comment one time like, hey, Tony, I met you on Adventure of the Seas. You were eating breakfast with your friend. You stopped eating breakfast and you talked to me for 15 minutes about cruising. And then, uh, you know, we, we, you know, parted ways, but I don't feel like I got enough out of that interaction. And it's like comments like that. I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't know what to do because you know, you laid it out in your own comment that you interrupted me. I spent 15 minutes with you and you still weren't satisfied. So it really kind of opened my eyes to there's just going to be times where I, I don't know how to satisfy that need of somebody to talk to me, you know, and it's a, it's a weird thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to talk about. It's weird to think about. But I, I'm trying to learn how to manage it. I want to hear what 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 happened with the guy who kept bringing up your shirt, because for some reason you told this story about the flower shirt guy. And he would just make a comment on us. So for, in, in one sense, I was so refreshed just listening to you because you just had enough of this guy, clearly. And then I think back, my days on Long Island or whatever, I know this guy. Everybody knows this guy, the guy who just kept asking you about your shirt. It, it's kind of crazy. You know, I'm, um, again, you always want to be nice to people, right? Like, that, again, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm fully engaged in this idea that I would not have the success I have if people did not like me and want to get to know me. So we're on a 14-day Panama Canal cruise. Met this guy early on the cruise. And uh, I go through these periods, right? I get bored. I like to change things up. I like to change the way I look. I like to change the way I feel. Sometimes I like to wear a flowered shirt. But I was in like a t-shirt phase. When I go on a cruise, I just want to wear a pair of shorts, some comfortable shoes, and a t-shirt. And so I was kind of settled in for my 14-day Panama Canal cruise where I was, you know, you know how it is living in Florida. We don't, we don't wear hot clothes, right? And, uh, I, you know, I wear the shirt sometimes for the show because I think the colors look good on the show or whatever. Met this guy on day one, and uh, it was a cool interaction. Met him, met his wife. Hey, man, how you doing? It's really nice to meet you. Sure appreciate you watching the show. And, uh, you know, on the very first meeting, he said, yeah, you know, I like the show, but I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you. 
And I said, okay. And he said, well, you know, I, I don't like it when you don't wear the flowery shirts. Like right now, you don't have on a flowered shirt. You just got on a t-shirt and I don't like it. And I was like, oh. I was like, all right, man. Well, that's cool. I appreciate it. I said, I, I just want to let you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of here on vacation and I'm just uh, being comfortable. And sometimes I wear flowered shirts and sometimes I wear t-shirts. And I thought that would be, be that would be that. But I interacted with this guy multiple times and every time. There was not a single time. And, you know, it was fine. It would have been, you know, how you doing? You have a good day. We play craps together, see each other in the casino. You have a good day. And every time that interaction always turned into how come you're not wearing a flowered shirt? Oh, I saw gosh. you made a video. I saw you made a video today from your cabin and you're not wearing a flowered shirt. And so the, the time that it finally put me over the top, I mean, I, I don't know what we've done all day, but I finally got to the craps table. And I don't know if, you know, it's funny gambling in the oh, yeah. just came from. I just came from Vegas where uh, you can gamble 24-7, but on the cruise ship, like if you're a craps player, it, it doesn't happen all the time. So you're waiting for the table to open. You're waiting for the, the group together. And the table had just opened. I just bought in. I just had a rack full of chips. The dice were getting hot. And this guy rolls up, and I'm like, hey, I don't even remember the guy's name. And the guy rolls up, and I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm ready to play some craps. I slide him in. I'm making bets. I'm trying to watch my money. It's, you know, it's almost my turn to shoot. And the very first thing that he says to me is like, man, you couldn't have come to the craps table tonight with a flowered shirt on, could you? And I was like, look, man, I, I, I cashed out. Like I just got there and I cashed out and the pit boss was like, where are you going, man? Like the game just started. I said, look, uh, apparently I don't have the right attire to be at this craps table. And uh, the guy was like, you know, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. And, I, and I, I finally said, look, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like every time I talk to you, I said, look, I don't want to talk to you. Every time <laughs> I talk to you, I have to make some sort of comment about my shirt. I'm like, why don't you just be a guy? Why don't we just play craps? Why, you know, I, it's such the weirdest thing that you, you're obsessed with my shirt. Oh, 100%. And, and, I mean, read the room a little bit. Just, you know, if, if, you, yeah. if you were engaging with the flower shirt thing and you're like, yeah, you know what? This is what my thought process into what I – you clearly don't want to talk about the shirt anymore. You clearly got some money on the table, and now it's time to shut it down and gamble. This is the type of guy uh, – Tony, I'm telling you, this guy has gotten beat up before, I promise you. Yeah, it, 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 I, I can see it. If I, if I, if that was my predilection, if I was more that way, I, I, I was getting frustrated that way. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Like, and I, I've had some other people say, uh, you know, we we talked to you while you were gambling. You stopped and you took a picture, but I thought we'd have more of a conversation. This is one thing people have to understand. And I know not everybody is gamblers, but gamblers understand this. When you're gambling, it's about the gambling, right? And uh, again, I'm happy to meet and see people, but the, the casino is not necessarily the place to do it while somebody is gambling. I would never mess with anybody while they got money on the line. No. And, and I think maybe non-gamblers don't get that. So I understand that. But it's wild. I'll give you another couple examples of things that have blown my mind lately as far as gambling goes. So I, we were in Las Vegas over the last few days, stayed at the Excalibur Hotel, went to a meetup over in New York, New York with the John at the Ship Show and Jamie at Sharon at Sea. And then I ducked over into a casino I'd never been to. I was there with my brother. He wanted to see Aerosmith. They were at the park MGM. I didn't want to see Aerosmith. So he went to see Aerosmith. I went to gamble in their casino. I've got a newfound love for Blackjack. Non-smoking casino. It's like the only one in Las Vegas. So for the first time in a few days, I was in a smoke-free environment playing Blackjack. I played for, I don't know, however long a concert is, two and a half hours. My brother came down. I got in line to cash out. I'd made a little money. Well, at the end of the cashier line, there was this big bulky guy, like ball headed guy, looked like a, you know, big Northeastern guy and he's eyeing me. And I'm like, Oh man, like, I don't think I did anything inappropriate at this casino. So I cash my chips in, I put my money in the pocket and the guy extends his hand and he says, Hey Tony, how you doing? I'm a big fan. So I got recognized by the casino operations manager at the park MGM, which was <laughs> trippy. So the next day or two days later, I get on an airplane. I'm sitting at, in Las Vegas getting ready to get on my plane to go to Dallas. The very first person off of the plane calls my name out. Then I get on my plane from uh, Dallas back to Tampa, and the person that sits next to me that's from Dallas about halfway through the flight goes, I didn't want to say anything, but I watch your show all the time. So it's, it's really wild that uh, it's even beyond cruising, which I never would have expected just to, just to round out that conversation. No, and that's awesome because I mean it's not like you didn't. It's not like it happened overnight. I mean you've put in the hard work, you've put a lot of hours and dedication into it, and you combine that with a natural skill and a natural gift. That's what you got, and it's just a beautiful time to to be alive when something yeah. like that could happen. I mean, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, you'd have to be a discovered, signed 
by, you know, XYZ company and agency and you'd have all these, it would be very, it would be a lot more difficult to get that type of notoriety a decade or so ago. The one thing that I say all the time to people that ask me about creating and doing YouTube and stuff like that, we all started at zero, right? And I think as long as we all keep that in mind, that we're all basically on the same journey, just some of us are further down the road than others, right? So it's, you know, that aspect of creating and trying to bring an audience to you and continually, you know, evolving your content, that's not foreign to anybody. That's the same for somebody that has, you know, zero subscribers to somebody that has millions of subscribers. The the grind and the process is still the same. It just scales in a different way. And so I think as long as people stay connected to that idea that at some point you were still there trying to like, okay, I'm going to hit upload for the first time, or I'm going to publish my first podcast. I think as long as people remember that, that's going to help them be grounded. That's certainly where we're at. And then the, the second thing is my whole life, I've been a ham. I, I was uh, you know, an entertainer in high school. I had aspirations to do radio. I had aspirations to do stand-up comedy. Uh, I used to be a student of comedy. As soon as I was old enough to get into a comedy club in Nashville, I would go to Zany's every week as an 18-year-old, saw some amazing people. And, uh, but then I, you know, I let life grab a hold of me, man. I made some decisions, and all of a sudden, I was this uh, dude that had bills to pay, and I put all that on the back burner. And so I feel very uh, lucky, and I, it's not lost on me, and that's why I really kind of work hard at this opportunity. I feel very lucky that as a 50-year-old dude or a 48-something guy when I started this, that I'm able to live out that dream that I put on the back burner and that the world is in such a way where I can live it out. So you're absolutely right. We have opportunities like never before to be creative, to be entertaining, and to chase those dreams. And so I, it's it's not lost on me. I feel very lucky that the stars that have aligned that uh, I've been able to do this, and uh, hopefully I can keep doing it. So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, I feel I'm in a very lucky place. Of course, of course. As far as I guess switching over to cruising a little bit, what uh, through my cruise journey over the past ten years, well, I guess now it's twelve years. I mean, this time just it runs wild. So like, I've always had the things you liked i have always had the things that i like that are constant i always want to do this i only want to get to that i'll always enjoy this no matter what but depending upon the season or depending upon where i've been last or depending upon what i I, i've heard about that might be new i have these set of cruise goals that are applicable to this time where i am right now in my cruising phase where are you right now i know it's not panama canal i know you i know you're good on that for a little while but for right now where are you looking to go what are you looking to do what kind of ship or sailing are you trying to get on yeah so the biggest thing for me right now a couple things transpired right before the shutdown 2019 i flew to china and i did a cruise around to like eight ports in japan that was mind, you know, it opened my mind a little bit because I'd only cruised to the Caribbean. And so when I came back from that, I really had a hunger to go places that I had not gone before. Of course, we had the shutdown. And so Panama Canal was actually a good one. But Panama Canal is not a, a cruise I'm running back to. Again, I, again, I like to listen to the community like, oh, you got to try this. It's going to blow your mind. They told me that about Disney. It did not. Uh, they told me that about the Panama Canal. It did on a level, but like a one and done kind of level. But what it did is it took me to the West Coast, and I was able to do some of that uh, Mexican Riviera cruising. Uh, enjoyed those ports immensely. But for me, where I want to go next is Europe. We are constantly, uh, Jenny and I are constantly sending ideas back and forth. A big shout out to you. I use Cruise Plum all the time now, even though we have access to these back-end um, you know, travel agent tools, stuff like that, because of Jenny. Uh, Cruise Plum is one of my favorite things for trying to find ships on certain dates going to uh, different places. So I heard that on your podcast. So what thanks, a tool! What that. a tool that is, right? I mean, I love can, that tool. Yeah, it's just you can my, you can literally search and refine your search down to exactly where you want to be at a port on a certain day of the year. It's insane. Yeah. So our big goal right now, and the plan that we're trying to hatch is uh, to do some sort of transatlantic from the U.S. to uh, Europe in uh, april of next year and then i would like to do a british isles cruise i've never been i've always wanted to go to the uk i want to do a british isles cruise and then from there probably go north uh, to scandinavia i'm still looking for colder weather climates this is my second year of going to alaska i'm at the point right now that i i feel like i could go to alaska every season until i run out of things that are going to blow my mind so two years in a row my mind it's been blown going to alaska so now I want to go over and do, you know, maybe six weeks in Europe. And then uh, Australia is always on my bucket list. If, again, I, I think I've got to knock out some Europe before that. Uh, but, yeah, I want to go other places. Like I, I'm enjoying – I enjoy every time I go to the Caribbean. 
but I feel like I've, I've got the vibe of that. I'm not really a, like a sunshine kind of guy. I don't like being out in the sun. I'm very, you know, kind of fair skinned, that kind of thing. So it takes a lot for me to have a beach or a pool day. So I love these places where I can go where it's a little colder and I can get into some other stuff. And so uh, Europe's going to be the big move next year. I was told by a listener that, and again, I do apologize. I should have, I should know exactly for the amount of times I requote this, I should know exactly who said it. They said going to Alaska and stepping out there, out going outside and you know whatever the glaciers and everything. You, it's literally like breathing air for the first time. Is that would would you? Because I heard you guys kind of giving those types of sentiments and those types of vibes too as well. Just is, does the air taste sweet? Is it like it? Is it a pleasurable thing just breathing in Alaska? It is a pleasurable thing breathing in Alaska. You know, I live here in Florida, and I feel like every time I'm home, I'm stopped up. I, every place I go, I feel like I have some sort of sinus issue. Uh, but when I get when I got to Alaska, I could breathe. It, it's I don't know what it is if it's so far away from so much. Uh, you know, um, I, I guess maybe because it's so out in the open and, and maybe you're far away from pollution or something. I don't know what it is. But uh, yeah, the air definitely breathes differently there, and it, to me, it breathes cleaner. So it was. Uh, and then the majesty of it all, like you know, it's it's a weird kind of lofty sentiment to talk about majesty, but all of a sudden. You're surrounded. You're 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 in the ocean. You're in the Pacific Ocean, which is still considered the Pacific Ocean. But there's mountains on both sides of you, and these are like mountains bigger than what we've ever experienced, right? My my people come from Appalachia. I know what those mountains look like. I know what the Great Smoky Mountains look like. In Alaska, you're just you're dwarfed by these huge structures of nature, and it, it's almost uh, it's almost too much to take in. And then when you throw some wildlife, you throw a little you know uh, humpback whale off the side of the ship or some you know uh, ball porpoises all of a sudden you're like wow i'm in the middle of nature this is this is pretty amazing and it's not something that you experience that frequently uh with the freedom like we've all been to zoos and sea world and stuff like that it's so far removed from an aquarium that you're like wow this is this is really something special okay that's i mean that's so far that's the best pitch i've gotten so far i'm just imagining it too because just you're at sea level and then you see these giant you know just West, like you said, there's a the whole the Appalachians are a huge mountain range. But when you talk about getting out to the Rockies and then a, even higher than that over in Alaska, just sit, just cruising along at sea level, and then just seeing them kind of like just barely moving in your in your scope of vision has to be just uh, uh, with the air, with the nature, with everything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm I may have to look into this soon. It's crazy. I'm, I'm not an outdoorsman at all. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, too, the cruise lines do a good job of pulling you into that uh, thought process. I've been on Princess twice, Norwegian once there. And Princess has this great naturalist who is like some guy that lives with wolves on an island somewhere. He's probably like in his 60s, but he's got like a great haircut and a great voice. And, you know, he's talking to you about the, the wildness of Alaska and you know, if you really go and engage in the things that the cruise lines do to make you be, a, you know, get into that Alaska feel, they really do a good job of taking you on an adventure. And often that you don't even have to leave the ship to really enjoy that adventure. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing thing that they do. Yeah, might have to get involved. Um, so you are, I, I think you're like, I think we're similar in the way that I feel like I'm very extroverted when I'm when I'm on a microphone. I'm very extroverted when I'm around people that I have a lot of water under the bridge with, friends, family, everything like that. But it's not the most natural thing for me to jump into new relationships and be. There's a little bit of hesitancy from me at that on on that type of thing. My question is: I noticed that some of the cruises that you've been doing lately have been solo cruises. With that personality and mindset, how has the solo cruising experience been for you so i'm pretty good as a solo cruiser no there's definitely times where i don't uh, i don't like being alone but there are times where i am so uh connected to people that i do love being alone and i'm able to find the spaces i even said that before the shutdown I i think i had a conversation one time about lines on a cruise ship and one of my techniques was just to understand when busy places weren't busy, so I wouldn't have to be in the crowd. And so I still use a lot of that technique, even when I'm solo cruising. I'm happy to eat alone. I'm happy to go to a show alone. I'm happy to be by myself. And sometimes I feel like I need that time to decompress. Now, a few of my solo cruises have really been really for fact-finding. When I went on the Norwegian cruise just to see what it was like to stay in the the solo studio cabin, that was fact-finding. And I kind of felt like I was more of an observer Sometimes I feel like that's the role I've taken on. When I went on Virgin Voyages, I definitely felt like I was an observer. 
I would have loved that a lot better if I was with Jenny or, you know, somebody else where I really could have. I mean, that's a, as you've just come off of Virgin, that's a pretty interactive, pretty in the moment kind of vibe that, that vibe there. And so I really did feel like just an outsider watching people experience Virgin and I was experiencing it at the same time, but I felt like that would have been funner, funner. That would have been more fun with a, with a friend or obviously with my, with my lady. So, uh, but yeah, I, I've enjoyed the experience, but I definitely enjoyed, like recently, we just went on a cruise with my brother and my sister-in-law. We had a blast. So it's, uh, I'm take it or leave it, but uh, I'm, I'm not out there like uh, meeting strangers. You know, I think that's a misconception. Like, oh, you're going on a solo cruise. You're going to meet a lot of people. It's like, nah, it's not what I'm looking for really. So I, I don't, I don't meet a lot of strangers when I'm on, I, I don't hang out with a lot of strangers. Well, I was fortunate on uh, the Liberty recently that, there was a couple that have gone on a couple of our group cruises that we do have a friendship with. They just happen to be there randomly. So I had like dinner at the steakhouse with them and that's always nice. But uh, I, I feel like uh, I don't mind cruising solo. No, no, neither do I. And I wasn't necessarily saying you would, you would, you would mind it. I would just be like your approach, but you kind of answered that too. When you said yeah. a lot of times you're just kind of an observer, you're just kind of like, you know, walking around. Sometimes you do know, meet somebody, you know, you take it. I am totally the same way. I am absolutely fine eating by myself, going to shows by myself. And yes, that definitely comes from, uh, you know, at one point in my other life or other career, just loving the opportunity to kind of, I'm, I'm the guy who's, I get the Wi-Fi every time, but I'm, I'm the guy who's upset that cruising wasn't like it was when you could just get away and nobody could get to you. That was one of my favorite things about cruising when nobody could get to you, no matter what. Sorry. You know what? You're going to you're gonna have to put the fire out on your own. I only did it like that one time. So on our very first cruise, when we were on the fantasy, we did not get any Wi-Fi. We just, uh, whoever was watching our kids, I, I think it was a family member. Hopefully, hopefully it wasn't just some stranger we pulled into the house, but, uh, yeah, whoever was with our kids were like, look, in two days we'll be in Cozumel. It was only a four day cruise. Like in two days we'll be in Cozumel. We'll try to call you then. And it was really weird to be disconnected. That was in 2017. It was really weird to be disconnected for two full days. So I do understand, you know, there's a lot of pushback with the, you know, I, I'm an advocate for better internet on the cruise ship because it's a necessity for my life. And I know there's a lot more, and I believe that the cruise industry could pull a lot more people in uh, like remote workers. I, I think there there's an untapped market out there. If they had good internet, I think people would work during the day and enjoy that cruise life at night. Uh, but I do understand the sentiment of the uh, old timers or the, the traditionalists, not that the people are old, but people that have been cruising for a long time that just want to disconnect. Uh, it is kind of special when you're, you know, completely, uh, isolated from the rest of the world. I don't like it, but I do understand the I do understand the sentiment. Yeah, no, and I'm like I said, I'm I get the Wi-Fi every time. I need it, you know, it's just something that, you know, you were forced to do, but I guess it, you could look at it either way. So you mentioned Virgin Voyages. We both recently got off a Virgin Voyage um vacation. My experience, I was I was shocked. I said it before I cruised. You could tell just by people speaking about it and the reviews and the videos and stuff that everybody's talking about like I just love it that somebody I don't love when somebody comes in and says, oh, this is the way you've been doing it for 50 years. Well, you know what? I'm smarter than you. I'm going to change it. But at the same time, I do love somebody who's going to come in and try to shake things up. Every single thing, I call it like the NFL copycat league. Cruising is a copycat industry. And Virgin Voyages, the fact that they basically just came in and turned the industry to thumb their nose on everything that was traditional about the industry, some of it is off-putting, but for the most part, you have to respect what Virgin Voyage is at least, is at least trying to do. Yeah, 100%. So even as Virgin became a, a conversation a couple years before the ships even existed, and, and the funny thing is a lot of it, I feel like, is a little machismo, a little bravado. Like the idea that, obviously, there are experts inside of Virgin Voyages. You know, Richard Branson, uh, known as a disruptor, known as a maverick, that is his personality, but inside of his company are people that are very straight laced that are looking at the current business models of cruising and taking the best things from them. Now the outward message is going to be we're going to be disruptive, we're going to we're going to put it on its ear, but the thing is they they took the best ideas and then just twisted them a little bit. So I, I think the idea of doing away with a buffet or not a buffet but with a banquet style preparation main dining room where mass amount of food is prepared at one time and then you know kept hot in hot boxes and then given out I, you know, I think it's just a little tweak like that where they said we could change the experience by leaps and bounds by just changing that one thing. 
I think I think it takes a lot of study of the current model to get to just that little tweak. So I, I think it's a little bit of a marketing, but also uh, the, the reverence is there, but it doesn't seem like it's an overt reverence. You know, to your point, they're out there saying, like, we're changing the game, sailors. All right. So everything you said, I agree with as far as the guest experience. How do you think that translates from a business model? Do you think, I mean, you, you hear that they just took out, you know, billions of dollars, millions of dollars in loans. Or, or or they they got fi- they got funding and then you also hear that uh you know the the ships are you know just a little over half capacity usually there's no families do you think this can sustain yeah I certainly think it can sustain so think think of the game that everybody is in right now this would be the best time for virgin to cut and run right we come through the shutdown everybody is leveraged to their ears in weird debt, right? You got the main cruise lines taking like some payday loan type debts, you know, just for an analogy, you know, they're taking the worst money possible. They got a lot more skin in the game. Like the big cruise lines, they have to stay in business. Virgin Voyages doesn't necessarily have to stay in business. They have hardware that they can sell. They could get out of the cruise game. So they're, they, they've got to have the numbers. They've got to have the data there that says, let's keep building cruise ships. Let's keep building this brand. You know, they're only doing those short, you know, multi-day cruises. I, I, think, I think they're poised to do it. I think they know that they will bring people on. I think they just want some more runway to get people into the product. And it's been a mixed bag. Like, of course, if you look at – this is the one thing I wanted to talk to you about. So I, I saw a few reviews of Virgin before I went on there. And everybody talked about how overly sexualized it was, but that wasn't my experience. My experience was that you could be a part of some things that were overly sexualized. And it made me wonder if the people that had gone before, if that was such a uh, interesting concept to them, that that was the thing that they hung their hat on. Did you find Virgin to be like sex in your face or did you find it to be just a sexy thing that you could be a part of if you wanted to, if that, if that makes any sense the way I'm phrasing it? So it does make sense. Uh, the answer to the question from my standpoint is, yeah, I thought it was sexual, like very much sexualized. Everything that they do seems to have like an S&M vibe to it. Everything that they name, everything. If you And listen, here's the thing. If you're offended by that, you don't go. We had a couple of ladies in a group. I don't know how your Scarlet Night experience was, but they took us aside and it was completely like, you know, they took a group of us, like maybe like eight or nine of us and told us from like, you know, no uncertain terms. They gave us these instructions. She might as well have been holding a whip. And we just had this dominatrix of feel. Uh, they, they were, the, the language that they were using was there were two women with us that there's this, sorry, we're going to, we're going to leave the group. Thank you for inviting us. This is not for us, please. You know? And, you know, I think the key is the consent thing. If you consent to being exposed to this stuff, none of it offended me. None of it. Right. I had a problem with absolutely none of it. I was entertained by most of it. I am not necessarily as daring as a lot of the people who jumped on stage and things like that. But I could say that, yeah, you have to kind of have a little bit of a, um, you know, it's, it's pretty bold to name your ice cream shop, Lick Me Till Ice Cream. Right, right. Well, I guess for me, the thing was, I never felt like it was pushed on me, right? I, I think I think all the on-ramps were obvious enough to me that if I didn't want to feel like I was in an overly sexualized situation, that I never went on to those on-ramps. And so I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I agree. I heard, other com- I heard other commentators say that you didn't have a choice, like you were on that overly sexualized highway either way. To me, I felt like there were entry points, there were doors that would open, there were things behind closed doors that were going on, and that if you wanted to go there... You could go there, but I, I felt like you could go on that ship. And not, of course, the naming of the shop. I mean, to me, I felt like that's more comedy. I felt like that's tongue in cheek, right? It, it's sexy, totally, certainly, totally. But I feel like it's a little, it's a little tongue in cheek. So I felt like that. The only, the only experience I left is I went to the um, Never Sleep Alone. Is that what that was called? Never Sleep yes. Alone. Yes. And that, to me, felt like that would have been better served if I was there with my part. Like if Jenny would have been there with me, I would have stayed the whole time. Uh, but I did feel uncomfortable by myself there because of how overly sexual that was without my partner, right? But especially when there was the interactive aspect of it. Uh, but again, that was a closed door that I walked through to be in that scenario. So uh, that's the thing. I get asked that sometimes. Is this too sexual? Should I stay off? You know, if I'm a little conservative, should I stay off this cruise line? And I feel like you could go, you could go on that cruise and not have to experience that. But maybe I'm wrong. No, no, but you're right. You're, you are right. Yeah, yeah. But I think some people just don't want to have to make the choice of just right. 
avoiding the on-ramps. You know what I mean? People just want to go around. And I think there's certain people, yes, I will say we may be a little bit disagreeing on this. All I'll say is that it offended me zero. I absolutely loved it. I I can't wait to go on another one. But I totally could see how some, I I, I guess, some demographics might feel a little uh, put off by some of it. I I get that. Uh, That's all I'll say. Me? No, (laughs) not at all. But uh, some people, I could see why they would av- avoid this ship. It is, you know, what it is a very it's it's fun, man. It really, really is fun. But you made a couple of good points, a lot, very good points that I didn't think of as far as them being able to have an easy exit strategy to get out of the game. But I also think that there's a lot of uh, expenditures that they incur that they probably don't even know how that's going to work out. Have you ever where in the on the planet have you ever been able to just take five or six containers of sushi there's so much food and so much stuff that's just laying around you know we don't know if that business model will work maybe there's a reason why these cruise lines that have been around for 100 years do the main dining room while you do sacrifice right. a little bit of quality you know you do have a product that allows you to be profitable and, the, and then margins work you know does it work having a different staff in every single kitchen you know that i don't know all i'm saying is that I think it's gonna be it's gonna be remain to be seen. I'm hoping that they make it because it's an outlier. It's crazy. And then yeah, do people? You know that is a thing to discuss as well as you mentioned. Like you can't do an eight day Virgin Voyage cruise. You know what I mean? Are they are they taking the the name from like Vegas? Like well, you know, you don't want to do Vegas for more than a weekend anyway. Is that <laughs> is that what they're going for? That's interesting. Uh, you know when I the only the reason that's interesting is I spent four days of it. I was there last Wednesday and I came home. Uh, I think Sunday or something like that. And by that fourth day, I was like, oh, I got to get out of Vegas, man. Because it was like zero sleep, time stood still, and anything that I could try to get into, I would just get into it at the sacrifice of however my body felt or whatever like that. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. I didn't, I, you know, I felt like I could have spent a couple more days on Virgin. I wanted to experience more more of the food. The, the, the last thing I'll say about the vibe of Virgin, the other, I think one of the litmus tests for Virgin that I've also been sharing with people is whether or not you can watch Game of Thrones. Like, can you watch Game of Thrones and do those episodes, uh, you know, offend you or make you feel weird or creepy or something like that? I think at the end, if you can watch Game of Thrones, I think you can go on Virgin Voyages. I know that's a weird uh, line to draw. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but uh, th- th- I told multiple people that and they went, OK, I understand that. So, um, but yeah, maybe, I, I, you know, I think they're just, uh, I, I think they just don't want to overextend, right? And they, you know, it, it takes a lot of money to make these port agreements. And so... It seems like they got that nice gig right now in Bimini and then the other spot that they stop in the Bahamas. But once you start talking about going to more of those islands in the Eastern Caribbean or spending some time in Cosmo, that's a, that's another big outlay, I think, of contract and money. And uh, It'll be interesting. But the fact that I, I don't remember how many more ships they've committed to, but I think it's multiple ships. So I think yeah. they're going to at least be in the game for a little bit. So there's going to be four total ships. I believe there's four that are... At some point in the construction process or whatever it is, the Valiant, the Brilliant, the Resilient, and the Scarlet. Um, yeah. But so that's that's my question. So there's no really – you don't see them making another class of ships, do you? Um, no. I mean, not not in the beginning. But, I mean, if they get toward the end of that build cycle and it's uh, it's working out for them, I think they'll do what every other cruise line did and, and innovate. Right. I mean, I think that's that's the other part if we think about shipbuilding. Uh, as things you know evolve over time, technology, those kind of things. I think that's one of the reasons why you see new ship design is because technology changes, and instead of just uh, you know enhancing current ship classes with new technology, sometimes it's better to just throw the whole thing over to the shipbuilders, the architects, and say, okay, we've got this new technology. What can we do differently with the aesthetic at the same time? And I feel like that's how you get a new ship class, or if there's a desire to go bigger or go smaller, that kind of thing. But yeah, I, I, again, it, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's I think it's hard to predict, but I think if they get to the end of this build cycle, maybe they will come out with a different kind of class or find another way to innovate or you know learn that. Uh, of course, like if they get to the end of this build cycle and nobody's ever on that wire mesh thing on the back of the ship that seems like it's out in the sun for no good reason, at some point somebody's going to say we need to redesign this, and I think that's how you would end up with another ship class. It, you know what also probably threw them off too? They were all the half of their marketing was based around Cuba too. Right. 
they had to rethink the whole thing, I think, when they didn't have access to Cuba because that that layers another forbidden thing about it. Because even now, like when you could go to Cuba, I, I ran into many people. Uh, you know, I ran into many people that were you know that were Cuban that obviously weren't excited about people going to Cuba. But then I also ran into a lot of you know folks that weren't Cuban that were like, oh, I would never go there. So I think I think Virgin had a hold of another kind of forbidden fruit thing with those uh, with those cruises to Cuba. Right, right. All right, last thing before I get you out of here, I just want to ask you, I want to talk about a little bit of uh, distracted cruising, if you don't mind, for a second. Sure. Okay. So a couple of years ago, you know, you had this guy, Matt Mitchum, cruise director to the Stars Carnival Cruise Line. He was, like, being flown around. He was the the man. He had his own personality. I think he did a, a stint in People magazine. So it was like, you know, he was he was like a star. He was a cruise. He was in the cruise industry as a cruise director, but he was like a legit star. People knew. And then he mysteriously stepped away, and you knew that there was a reason why he stepped away. Obviously, another project. Obviously, something's got to go up. Is he going to try to cross over into mainstream? And then the pandemic hits, so everything is just shut down. So nobody knows which way is up. I remember seeing on some of his social media, he's talking about a possible doing hosting like a land uh, resort type of thing. I, I don't, then I didn't hear about that anymore. Then he was doing shopping on online. I don't know what he was doing. And then out of nowhere, he resurfaces as the cruise director on board CBS's new reality dating show, The Love Boat, on board a Princess Cruise. Did you see that coming at all? It, it's not surprising to me. So I, I don't think he stepped away until mid-pandemic because I remember he was still promoting the Mardi Gras. He was riding the ro- roller coaster. And I feel like that happened in the pandemic. I feel like he probably just ended up in the same spot as so many cruise directors where they 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 just didn't have work for them anymore. And it was one of those deals where you just had to make some money. So I feel like that's what happened to him, that he had to step away while waiting to come back to work and, and do other projects. Uh, I think it is, look, the guy, I think the guy is uh, an extremely good, I can't think of a better looking cruise director, right? And I know my wife thinks that he's a, you know, a, a, a beautiful man. That's say why what I, it is. The guy's, he's, 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 the guy's dreamy. He's a, he's a dreamy yeah, guy. What are you going to yeah, do? You got to say what it is. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a dreamy guy. That uh, Distracted cruising. I, I remember saying it now because uh, everybody's fawning over Matt Mitchum. But uh, he's a great cruise director, too. Like, I, I think we've cruised with him once or twice and a, a real high-energy cruise director. So it doesn't surprise me that when there was an opportunity to apply to be the cruise director on the real love boat, uh, to me, it's almost a no-brainer. If that was what he wanted to do, I can't think of anybody else that would have beat him. I mean, he had tons of cruise director experience. He has the look for a reality TV show. And so uh, I-, I think – and. He also has brand recognition. Think about Carnival is the most popular cruise line in the world, as far as I still understand. And so uh, it's a no-brainer for people that are making that show to say, well, give me a known entity that probably, I don't know what his social media followings are, but uh, I'm sure there's a few hundred thousand people or half a million people that will be happy to look at Matt Mitchum on that TV show. So I think it's a brilliant move both uh, on, well, on the the people that are making that show's part. And then uh, it just seems like it wouldn't surprise me I don't know if he could ever go. Do you think he could go back and be a cruise director on a ship again after all that? Or do you think he has to uh, aspire to, uh, to to greater things? It's a great question. It's a great question. And I think that's, that's – see, that's where I was going when I thought he – see, first of all, first and foremost, I think it's a perfect move. I think it's perfect. When I heard the news, I was like, oh, of course. That makes perfect sense. But I was just thinking, you know, what 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 would be the next move when he – when he left the industry, okay, I guess I didn't have the timeline 100% right, so he was still technically a cruise director into the pandemic a little bit. I think I think he's a pandemic victim. I really do. I think that if we, if he wouldn't hit the pandemic, I think he still would have been doing something. You know, there's there's that trajectory to get to the John Heald level, right? I think uh, uh, what's the guy that's maybe being groomed into that? Uh, I can't remember the other Mike cruise Pack? director. but Mike Pack, yeah. yeah. So it seems like there is some sort of ascension uh, from cruise director through Carnival for other jobs, so I felt like Matt Mitchum would have been in that ascension. Oh, definitely, definitely. When I when I think about the two faces of cruise directors and you know them battling it out for you know cruise director of the year, I just think of uh, <laughs> Patrick Swayze and Chris Farley on uh, SNL, <laughs> John Heald and Should Matt done, Mitchum yeah. going at it. But that's right, <laughs> Tony. Tony, I appreciate you joining me. This is uh, we haven't done this in a while, and I'm glad you carved out a few minutes to. Uh, Hop on the old uh, the old ABB Thursday conversation, brother. 
Well, man, as always, I appreciate the work that you're doing and the voice that you bring to the community. And uh, I always enjoy talking to you. There's uh, so many topics to uh, to work through there. And uh, yeah, every, every topic's interesting. So uh, I appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Of course. We'll catch up soon. Bye, man. There's a place where the boat leaves from. It takes away all of your big problems. You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you got to get away to where the boat leaves from. Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part shade of a nine-nine tree. And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot. And I know this is the place for me. Get away to where the boat leaves from. It takes away. I love your big problems. You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves. Jimmy. Good island somewhere Well, all ride the boats and don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down Sand where it's cool, put me down, and when I fall on my stool, put me down. I'll just leave there till morning comes round. With sunshine, ten ladies, and pina coladas, and Bob Marley songs that I'm playing. There's a song in my ear that I want you to hear. Soft tropical lips that are singing. Get away. To where the boat leaves from, it takes away all of your big problems. You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean, but you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from. So get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away all of your big problems. You could worry, you could drop them in the blue ocean, but you gotta get away to where the so get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away. I love your big problems. You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean. But you gotta get away to where the boat is from. Put me down.